Hi, this is Timothy Pig, and I want to welcome you to Text Driven Podcast, a podcast put out by the Ministry of Fellowship Church in Southwest Florida. Text Driven Podcast exists to equip you to know God and make Him known through text driven preaching and practice. To learn more about Fellowship Church, visit our website, fellowshipchurch.co. In this episode of Text Driven Podcast, we're going to continue looking at Edward T. Welch's book, When People Are Big and God is Small. We've made it past the halfway mark in this wonderful resource, helping us to defeat the fear of man in our lives and to see God as truly a big God. I was listening to a podcast recently of which several theologians were on a stage, and on that stage was guys like John MacArthur and Ligon Duncan and Mark Dever and Al Mohler and others were on that stage. I think Sinclair Ferguson was on there. And one of the things that one of those preachers, seminary presidents said was this, we hold to a big God theology, a big God theology. You know, if you will view God as big in your life, then there is not going to be a problem that will ever come up in your life that God cannot handle. If you see God as the biggest person, the biggest one in all your life, which he is, then there won't be one marriage conflict you'll go through that God cannot solve. There won't be one parenting issue that you will deal with that God cannot intervene. There won't be one financial struggle that uh, you will be walking through that God cannot meet your needs. There won't be one academic or intellectual or emotional or psychological problem that you might find yourself facing that God is not big enough to handle. I hope that as we've been walking through Edward T. Welch's book over these last several episodes, that you have begun to develop a big God theology. Because our God truly is big. Our God truly is powerful. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is all. Because he is big, we can follow him, submit to him, serve him, and know that everything that we see as a problem in our life, he can solve. So as we jump in to the 10th chapter of Welch's book, When People Are Big and God Is Small, I encourage you to pick it up and uh, let, let's dive into this 10th chapter. Welch entitles this 10th chapter, Delight in the God Who Fills Us. I'm going to start on page 169, right at the very uh, beginning paragraph. Listen to what he says. No man can take a survey of himself, but he must immediately turn to the contemplation of God in whom he lives and moves. This is especially true after seeing that many of our needs are more accurately called lusts, and the objects of these needs are called idols. Now, this is what he's getting at. We, we see that there are uh, needs that we have. We talked about them in the last episode. Um, psychological needs, spiritual needs, and physical needs. And we will see these needs as being so big that what we will do is we will 
divert our attention away from God and put the, put the need as the object of our mind's focus. And when we do that, we actually end up making the idol, we're making the, making the need an idol in our life. And what we saw in the last episode was this, Jesus meets our needs. Uh, he meets our spiritual needs. He meets our emotional needs. He meets our psychological needs. He meets our physical needs. That is who God is as provider. And this is what Welch is continuing to build on in this 10th chapter. He says this, as we grow in self-knowledge, we want to have that knowledge woven together with our knowledge of God. Therefore, having repented where repentance was needed, we should listen again to what God says about himself. When we listen to God after difficult self-examination, God reveals himself as the welcoming one. He does not say, as Welch puts here, I told you so. He does not put you, as Welch explains, in a spiritual isolation room. Instead, here's what he says on page 169. Instead, God rejoices that we have turned to him in a more wholehearted way. God promises the repentant person, and he quotes Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 22, which says, None of the offenses he has committed will be remembered against him. Now, this is not what our natural flesh wants to believe about God. Satan wants us to believe, and our flesh wants us to believe, that God would reject us if we come to him with our sin. But instead, what God does is because of his son Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, when we bring him our sin, he does not push us away, but instead he lifts off our shoulders the sin burden that we carry, puts that on the shoulders of Jesus and his completed work on the cross, and he accepts us and he welcomes us. He brings us close to him. Now, this is not at all what Satan wants you to believe. Satan wants you to believe that you are unlovable. Satan wants you to believe that you will never be accepted. Satan wants you to believe that there is nothing redeemable about you. And that's why you have to go and find acceptance and love and forgiveness and all these other things. But you've already done that, haven't you? You've looked for love in relationships, and what have you learned? That those relationships really are not uh, meeting the love need that you have. You've looked for acceptance in groups of people, or in certain jobs, or in certain types of education, or in certain types of mental and emotional health, and what have you learned? All of those ways that you have gone after that need have left you short. They don't last. But what Welch is trying to show us in this 10th chapter of his book is when you bring to God your need and you lay that before him, he lifts that off of you, puts it on himself, and he welcomes you and he accepts you. And here's the deal. He tells us in that Ezekiel passage that none of the offenses that we have committed will be remembered against him because we have been forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, this is really good news for us, isn't it? This is really 
exciting truth. He, he uh, goes on and he say, says on page 70, one, 170, at the very top, he says, how could God forgive me for that? And he explains, he says, don't think that God's forgiveness is a begrudging forgiveness. And with that thought, deny some of God's glorious love. And don't think that God's promises are only for other people. If this is how you are thinking, you must realize that your own sins, no matter how big, are not bigger than God's pleasure in forgiveness. See, the moment you bought into the world's mentality that you are unlovable, that you are unforgivable, that there's no way God could accept you, is the moment you're saying your sin is bigger than God. And we know that not to be true. Our sin is not bigger than God. A big God theology shows us that our sin is smaller than God. That God is so big that He was able to come in uh, human flesh, as John chapter 1, verse 14, and die on a cross. He was so big that He was able to assume on His shoulders the sin of us all. And that when He died, He died as our substitute for sin. And not just ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. That's how big God is. And Welch wants us to, to grasp this. And I want you to grasp this big theology of God. And if we're not careful, if we don't have this big theology of God worked out in our minds, we don't really see that God is truly that big to be able to handle our needs and, and He delights to care for us we will fall back into the cycle of the fear of man. Now, we've already talked about these fears, but let's just go over them again. Remember the three fears that commonly show up. Number one, we fear people because they can expose and humiliate us. Remember that fear? We, we fear man because we worry that what they're going to do is show us as a fraud, that they're going to expose us. They're, we're going to be uh, put before them as who we truly are, and we really don't like who we truly are. So we try to cover ourselves. We try to hide behind certain things because we don't want to be humiliated or exposed. The second fear is this. We fear people because they can reject, ridicule, or despise us. Uh, we don't want to be rejected. We want to be accepted. So what do we do? We adjust our behaviors. Uh, remember several episodes ago, we talked about how your kids probably wrestle with this in school. Uh, they want to be accepted by the, quote, cool kids, end quote. So what do they do? They, they come home from school and they say, Mama, I, I've got to buy these shoes. Or, uh, Dad, uh, I've got to play this sport. Or, um, I need to wear this. And then you start recognizing their taste in music has shifted and their taste in clothing has shifted and their speech has changed and all because there's a group of kids at their school that they see as needing to be accepted by and they fear rejection. They fear not being liked by them. They fear ridicule or being despised. So they change their behavior. They hide because of their fear of man. And then we also saw the third dominant fear of man. We fear 
people because they can hunt, attack, or even threaten us. And, and here's, here's what I want you to listen to. Listen to what Welch says on page 170, about halfway down the page, right after he goes through these, rehearses those three fears of man. Listen to what he said. God has not forgotten the shamed, rejected, and threatened. You need to hear that today. God has not taken his eyes off of you. God sees you. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where your fear of man is presenting itself. And in light of knowing everything that he knows about you, he delights in forgiving you. He delights in welcoming you. He delights in loving you. He delights in seeing you set free from the bondage of your sin and to be called a child of God. Is that not remarkable? That's what our God does. So, to the shamed and humiliated, what does God do? Welch tells us on page 171. He covers us and glorifies us. Whoa, think about that. We fear being exposed, our sin being exposed, who we truly are being exposed, and God walks up to us and He clothes us. He, he takes off our sinful clothing and He puts on us His righteousness. To the rejected, what does God do? He accepts for His glory. To the threatened person, what does God do? He protects them by His power and His might for His glory. So don't, don't fear being humiliated. God covers you for His glory. Don't fear being rejected. God accepts you for His glory. Don't fear being threatened. God protects you for His glory. So Welch says, we rejoice that God has covered our shame, protected us from danger, and accepted us. And he has filled us with his love. This is a big God theology. This is a God who purposely loves you and delights in loving you. I want to close with this section here. He says, in other words, on page 171, in 171, he says, in other words, God fills us. He pours out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. Romans 5, 5. God showers us with himself. So if we want to be filled so that we can feel happy and better about ourselves, then we will never be truly deluged with God's love. The cup of our own desires is never able to catch the flood of God's love and blessing. Rather, it makes God's redeeming love less acceptable. 
So here's the key. You ready? Page 171, very bottom. We must say, in our emptiness, I need Jesus. It is an emptiness that needs God's love. And that love that we so desire can only be found in the living God. God does not want you to fill your life with a bunch of stuff and then come and present it to Him as justification for how good you are. But instead, God wants you to come to Him completely empty. Come to Him with nothing and say, Jesus, I need you. Do you need Jesus today? Have you come to that place in your life where you are empty? Have you come to that place in your life where everything that you have tried just doesn't work? Have you? Are you tired of trying to cover yourself, to protect yourself, to be accepted? If so, you're in a great place. You can run to Jesus today and He will fill you, He will love you, and He will welcome you into His family. If you'd like to be part of God's family, I encourage you to go visit this, this website. It'll share with you about how you can have a relationship with Jesus. It's called thegreatestnews.org. You can go on there and just on that homepage, you can read through about how God loves you and He cares for you, for you and He desires to welcome you. And I hope you'll do that. I hope that you will seek the Lord today because that's the key to a text-driven life. A life that is in love with God. A life in which you have received the love of God is a life that will be lived in a text-driven way. Hey, I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode of Text Driven Podcast. If you'd like to know more about the ministries here at Fellowship Church, I encourage you to visit our website, www.fellowshipchurch.co. You'll find resources like this one as well as articles and blogs and curriculum that will hopefully encourage you and help you to live a text-driven life. Well, we'll be back soon, and I look forward to sharing more with you about how you can live a text-driven life. Hey, God bless you. Look forward to talking with you soon.